Welcome everyone to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm Raya Muhammad, she, her pronouns, with Becker's Healthcare. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Dr. Karam Nasser, Division Chief of Cardiovascular Prevention and Wellness at Houston Methodist. Doctor, it's so nice to talk with you today. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, just as we were speaking earlier, I'm a big fan of Becker Podcast. So thank you for having me on board today. Yes, well, we are absolutely honored to have you on today. Um, and to begin, would you mind please introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a preventive cardiologist. Currently, I serve as the Division Chief of Cardiovascular Prevention and Wellness at Houston Methodist Debate. I'm also the Professor of Medicine at Whale Cornell uh, College of Medicine. As far as my background is concerned, I received my medical degree from Pakistan, did my Master's of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University, followed by medical training at University of Pittsburgh, Boston Medical Center, Yale University Mass Journal. I also earned a master's degree in health economics and policy management from London School of Economics, where I served as a visiting professor. Now, before joining Houston Methodist four years ago, I was fortunate to be engaged in various academic, operational, and administrative leadership positions at two premium medical organizations, Baptist Health South Florida, of course, in Florida, and Yale New Haven Health System in Connecticut for seven years. Uh, my interests span a broad portfolio ranging from clinical prevention to translation science, public population and digital health, and most recent ventures in healthcare equity and social justice initiatives, as we all believe this is one of the biggest needs of current times. Currently, my research projects and programs are supported by various NIH, industry grants, as well as institutional endowments. Wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us that background. And now with all your experience and degrees, the first question I want to ask you is, what are the top three biggest issues in cardiology today, would you say? Well, I, I would give you a my perspective as a preventive cardiologist. It gives me immense pleasure and pride that despite being the number one cause of mortality for so long, our community has made significant strides over the last three decades. We've cut into our losses. And if you look at the trends, it appears that, and I'm very hopeful, we will soon lose the number one killer tag in the U.S. However, what is less recognized that majority of what we have achieved in improving heart disease mortality re relates to greater access, better and safer procedures, improved processes of care, and even medications after you had an event. But why these are great achievements, if you look deeper, we have not made much stride as far as preventing heart disease. Each year, about 800,000 new heart attacks happen, and nearly half of them are sudden new heart attacks or sudden cardiac death. Now, to my mind, three issues come to play. The first is fundamental in how we identify and assess risk so we can implement preventive efforts among individuals who had not yet declared with heart disease. And the issue is we still employ the very traditional risk factors that was first introduced in 1961, which remain imprecise. However, uh, with recent advances in technology and imaging, such as a non-contrast CT scan, which is widely available, associated with minimum radiation, easy to perform, cheap, 
can find out the earliest surrogate of the disease, which is atherosclerosis, without have doing any invasive procedure. And now it has been adopted by the guidelines as a method to overcome the limitations of relying on wild guesses based on risk factors. So that's number one. Number two, I think health disparities are clearly one of the greatest injustices in our time. And the well-established inequalities in care processes and disease burden and outcomes has really hindered our uh, gains in prevention of heart disease. Now, while it has been ignored forever, I'm thankful that there now is a desire to address shift not only into health disparities, but also addressing structural changes to ensure attainment of the highest level of health for everyone. And as a result, we have to start looking beyond the four walls of healthcare and include conditions where individuals grow, live, and age, broadly called social determinants of health. So practically, our group has done a lot of work in trying to use census-level measures as well as at an individual-level measures that you can accurately identify the social determinants of health where that can give you information much more beyond than your uh, overall disease risk. And finally, I think a major issue which has left most of us unprepared is financial toxicity, which people would... Uh, relate to potential adverse outcomes from strains from higher medical costs. Now, while it has been mainly considered a cancer issue, our work has shown that almost half of the families, if you have a member with heart disease, report significant difficulty paying medical bills or pay it off with a credit card or through personal loans or arrangements with the hospital. In fact, if you look in low-income families, one in four will be spending 20% of their combined income on healthcare costs. So clearly financial toxicity is such an unrecognized, highly prevalent, affecting millions of patients and their families. And unlike clinical side effects, it's a potentially devastating consequence of heart disease treatment that many of these patients have been left to manage on their own with tremendous downstream consequences. So I hope that with these clear reminders, we can influence the policy debates about healthcare, expanding a more precise way of detecting risk, looking at social determinants, and looking at the pricing of our healthcare so that governing organizations such as ACC and other legislative bodies can take notice. I, I think so those are the three major issues that from where I see, that we need urgent attention from everyone, especially from our policy experts. Absolutely, thank you so much for those great insights into cardiology today. Um, you gave some great statistics too. Uh, and since you have a good grasp on the space today, how do you see heart care evolving over the next 18 months or so? I, I would say over the next 18 to 24 or slightly longer, I, I would see a shift inevitably towards value-based, uh, I would say, healthcare, the adoption of these is becoming a reality across health systems in the country as we transition from volume to value. Uh, thankfully, majority of the healthcare organizations are increasingly seeking to transform their existing business model so they can strengthen capacity and deliver a high value care with coordination and population health management. 
Now, it's also important to realize that the path to clinical integration for population health management in our systems, which, as you know, are extremely siloed, there is no clear one right strategy. And it should be approached cautiously, mindful of all the options. Now, where I'm coming from, I hope in growing markets such as Texas and Houston, where I'm from, I see less emphasis yet on these value-based programs. Uh, however, that's fine because at the same time, I see this as an opportunity to, for us to start repairing the roof when the sun is shining. So for that, I'm hoping that within Texas Medical Center, the largest medical center in the world, our executive leadership can come up with the vision to collectively commission a population health management consortium so we can develop strategies, roadmap, that can clearly articulate a joint vision, options, challenges, investment, and also creation of a sustainable financial mechanism. Now, there are many components in this process, governance, incentives, processes of care. However, I feel the most important piece will be leveraging data via robust infrastructure, having a very mature analytic platform that can employ all of these data assets uh, and produce information, which is critical for successful implementation of population health and clinical integrated uh, programs. Now, one thing is clear about the future of healthcare, be it in the next 18, 24 months or beyond that, our ability to deliver high quality, economically sustainable care will depend upon how we manage the health of population we exist to serve. And I just want to remind our listeners that clinical integration is not the end point, but it's a journey that will require vision, leadership, a very supportive business model, and more importantly, attention to maximizing data and digital capacity for building a most robust population health management foundation. Great. Thank you so much, Doctor, for sharing those thoughts. Uh, before I let you go, the last thing I want to ask you is, what are you, what are you excited about today? And also, what is making you nervous? Whether, you know, it's something that you're working on in your health system or something that you're seeing just in the cardio cardiology space, anything like that? I, I think so. The thing that makes, excites me the most and at the same time make me nervous is the promise which we discussed of the role of big data in transforming medical enterprise. And the thing that it makes me nervous is, are, would we be able to quickly and effectively adopt it and learn from our prior misadventures? Uh, I think the feature, a feature that is unique to our generation that we are fortunate to be in the most remarkable age of data and medical information generation. Each year we produce more data than last year and will continue to do in the next years too. And it's no longer a secret to everyone that, and you, I and you don't have to look into a crystal ball, that data has become the biggest commodity and more importantly, our ability to convert into meaningful information at a greater speed is transforming all industry across us. However, if we look in healthcare enterprise, which we are used to performing miracles, unfortunately, I haven't seen any meaningful translation in how we practice medicine and utilize the data. Now for inspiration, 
As per my dear friend, Harlan Kromos, we don't have to look beyond examples such as Google's learning with every click, Amazon with every purchase, Facebook with every post, and Tesla with every mile. I think adoption of this big data application will fundamentally transform how we deliver care, how we create the next generation of uh, physicians, and also how we generate newer knowledge uh, to find out what is lacking and where we need to do. So at Houston Methodist, thinking about the future, uh, rather than waiting for others and following, we are taking the destiny in our own hand and we are creating an amazing infrastructure, a most comprehensive data platform that's harmonizing as much data as possible in a very durable, efficient manner. And I, I'm glad to tell you that over the last 12 months, we <laughs> have been blessed to create this unique infrastructure that making use of every data point in our EMR. We have harmonized of more than 1.3 million individuals with more than 7 million encounters, every lab vital medication procedure linked to more than 0.6 million ED and inpatient visits, as well as capturing social and environmental factors. So I sincerely hope that the future can pave ways and things get simpler for other groups learning from what we have been done across their enterprise and they can overcome their barriers and set themselves on a fast track learning health system because we all share our goals of making this huge leap. I think in transforming medicine from the current model of disease care to one that emphasizes more on healthcare. And in that journey, I cannot emphasize more on the role of precision medicine and how data will help us get there in an accelerated fashion. Absolutely. Thank you so much for those final thoughts, Dr. Nasser. This has been an amazing discussion. So I want to thank you again for coming on Becker's Healthcare. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. And we look forward to touch basing back again. Thank you so much. Of course.